Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wharton FinTech Podcast. I'm your host, Miguel Armasa. Our guest today is Tosin Osibodu, co-founder and CEO of Shaka, a Nigerian digital investment platform that is bringing access to trade over 4,000 Nigerian and U.S. stocks. Tosin is a fintech veteran, serial entrepreneur, and also a proud alum of our very own Wharton School. In this episode, we discuss Shaka's journey and what it means to be the first Nigerian fintech to receive a license by the Securities and Exchange Commission of Nigeria, challenges and opportunities of building startups in emerging markets, the amazing state of fintech in Africa, and why these are the early days of a tech revolution, entrepreneurial lessons, and just a lot more. And now I hope you enjoy my great conversation with Tosin Osibodu. Well, Tosin, how are you? Welcome to the Wharton FinTech Podcast. Thanks for having me, Miguel. It's great to be here. Excited to have you here. And, you know, I should say that once again, we have another alum that's joining us. So welcome back home. Yeah, no, it's great. It's, it's amazing to be, to be back virtually, but still, <laughs> still back. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so where, where are you calling us from these days? Yeah, so I'm in Lagos, uh, Lagos, Nigeria. I've been here for the last six years. So this is my base. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, I think you're the maybe the fourth uh, Nigerian fintech entrepreneur that we've had in the last year. So not, not too bad, not too bad, man. We need to bring those numbers up, but uh, it's, it's in the right trajectory. But also, Tosin, so you, uh, you're an entrepreneur yourself. Let's, uh, let's hear about what you're up to these days. Uh, tell us, you know, maybe uh, a bit about your background and then, and then we can hear about Chaka. Yeah. Um, so just a little bit about me. Um, I graduated from UPenn 2011 and I was in engineering school, studying systems engineering. Since then, I got a master's in engineering management and I worked at different internet companies. So at the payments e-commerce and ad tech uh, uh, layers in payments. I worked for uh, a fintech actually called Intuswitch. It's the largest payments company in West Africa. Um, I also worked at Wayfair.com, the furniture retailer. And then I uh, worked at AppNexus, an ad tech company that was acquired by AT&T. Since then, um, I started an e-commerce company and sold it. I got into, I've always been fascinated by trading and, you know, since times of pen, um, and I got into building trading bots, and that's how I kind of got connected to to seeing the opportunity of what digital investing and setting up a company that was really betting on the trend of automating the flow, less people and paper, more high throughput processing. That brought us to Shaka, and you know I'm excited to talk more about Shaka itself. But that's a little bit about me, my background um, that 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 brought us here. Yeah, yeah. And, and so how did your background as a builder, as an entrepreneur who, oh, this is not your first rodeo, right? How did it prepare you for, you know, what you've been doing at Ashaka the last few years? Yeah, so tremendously. So my background was working different layers of the internet stack. And I came to fintech or at least a uh, 
digital trading from the point of view of technology. So building automated systems, understanding the back end of these systems. And that's how I got into it. I was looking at it from uh, this looks like e-commerce, just digital products. And, you know, of course, through interacting with people who've been doing brokerage and finance their whole lives, they're the ones saying these rules are really important. It's not just arbitrary. Um, so I, I did personally get more stuck in on that side. I, I got qualified to be a, a stockbroker. And so, you know, my background, even though it's non-traditional to this, um, you know, I kind of topped up with, with, with more traditional knowledge here. So Oshaka was informed by earlier ventures of mine because I've always had entrepreneurial bug. I've always wanted to build something. I've never really had a problem generating lots of ideas. But, you know, to find that right company that is there is a demand for in the market that I am uniquely suited to build and that has, uh, let's just call it, uh, I'm predisposed to be able to add value more than any, you know, thinking about other people who could do it. That's what, what gives me so much more confidence with Shaka than with any other venture I've really worked on. So I'll say that's a big learning I've had from some early experiences where while the venture was great, you know, maybe I wasn't the right person for 10, 15, 20 years. But with Shaka, um, you know, really excited for what we're building here. And so help us paint a picture, right? How does the investment landscape look like in Nigeria and why Shaka? Yeah. So prior to us existing, there weren't really any or many digital investment providers. And so most customers wanting to invest would have to set up a brokerage account with a broker, fill out the KYC. In some cases, have to mail in forms. In some cases, we'll have to show up to offices. Um, and even while doing that, may not have access to the best investment opportunities that they, that they can get, that peers in other markets can get. So you have high cost of setup, you know, high effort to set up, and, and limited options of investments to make. So when we came to market and were able to really translate this analog processes into digital ones, then it really reduces the barriers for people to get started investing. It speeds up how quickly they can go from an impulse thought about investing to being in the market. And also um, in terms of options, we've really expanded what's available for people. And so for a lot of people who would never have considered investing in light of whether it's a currency depreciation or inflation, just really making sure money can continue to, value can continue to be held. We're seeing that, you know, people who traditionally would have had to really work hard to figure that out. With Shaka, they have access to opportunities that really give them that ability, whether it's buying uh, local or, or global equities. So I think what we've done has been very important for the individual, but then, you know, in partnership with those asset managers, as well as uh, existing brokers, we're also able to power people, power others who prefer to stay with their existing providers as well. Got it. And and so when you think of your current product suite, right, what is, I guess, your, your flagship product? How would you describe your, your typical customer? It sounds like one of the main things that you're doing is you're expanding access to investment opportunities, right? And it sounds like a big portion of the market has the the willingness to invest but didn't have the access uh, and you know the means and now you're you're you know opening the doors if you will exactly um you know you've hit that you've hit the nail on the head there so our typical customer 
or, or typical customers are people who are new to investing. But then you also have people who are new to investing and don't have much, they're really just starting to build their investment habit or their, their wealth creation habit. And then you also have um, folks who have significant capital and never had the access to the opportunity. For them, this is like honey to the bee. They see the value very, very clearly. And they usually have some quite a high level of financial, comparatively a high level of financial uh, knowledge already. So really see both ends of the spectrum. On the higher end of the spectrum as well, in dealing with asset managers and, and brokers, they're enabling their own customers as well. So our typical product um, is our widget SDK for business and then just the apps for customers. And so um, depending on how, whether you're a direct customer with us or you're a partner to us, um, you know, we have relevant products for each. And, and we're talking just weeks or days after a big milestone for you. I was reading that the Nigerian SEC granted Shaka the first license for digital stock trading. What does this mean for the company? Yeah, this is really big. Um, you know, we've been engaged with SEC since inception and more deeply in the last six months. Um, so we take regulation very seriously. And, you know, despite being a technology business from the start, we always set up to be regulated. You know, I'd mentioned it previously. I literally became a stockbroker to make sure I could be in a room um, talking to regulators and other stockbrokers, knowing that, you know, I respect that business and know, know their business as well. Um, and co-founder Bo, he's a CFA qualified wealth manager um, who's worked for Barclays and HSBC as well. Um, so in dealing with the SEC um, and engaging with them, it was quite a history. Um, you know, six months prior, there was some action that they that they took, and uh, you know, we were engaged with them um, to ensure that they understood that our intentions were great for the market. And we're really happy to say that, despite you know, sometimes the market reacts as is, is this really going to happen? You know, is the regulator like SEC going to let this innovation happen? And what this represents is that they will and more innovation is to come. So this is not only the first uh, uh, license for digital stock trading, but it's the first fintech license that the SEC has released. And, you know, we're really excited for what it means for our industry, but then broader fintech innovation as well in investments. So I think it's a really positive signal for what's to come um, in the market. Congrats. Congrats. That, that's, that's excellent. And tell us about the, the team and kind of the, the culture that you're trying to build, right? Is everyone based in Nigeria or are you distributed? Yes, um, everyone is based in Nigeria. Um, we do have a hybrid working situation um, in terms of like being on-prem versus uh, distributed. So, you know, we have a team of over 30 people um, and, you know, maybe roughly five to 10 are always in the office with us rotating at, you know, how COVID uh, work situations are. But from a culture perspective, more deeply, we're building a culture of people who are growing and learning and really mastering how to deliver on, on, on this opportunity. So being in sync and collaborative is really important for our culture. We're a high documentation culture, a high accountability culture, a high energy culture, just speed of the market and aligning to that and a high achievement culture. So we really encourage people who are, who are very determined to learn this stuff more than necessarily they've worked in finance their whole lives or have, are, are amateur traders, but 
just having the determination to learn how do the markets work, um, why is investment important, and to be able to adopt those personal habits. Um, we've seen hiring diligent people who have that passion and interest. It's worked out really well for us, and that's the kind of employee or the kind of people that we want working with us. It's typically young. Um, I think our average age is, is probably at 26 or 27. Um, so it's, it's a really young uh, group of, of people but who are very passionate about the opportunity. So, so what, we, we talk to a lot of entrepreneurs in, in markets like, like Nigeria, you know, Brazil, Thailand. And then one of the, I guess, challenges can be finding the right talent. And it's not that there aren't talented people, there are millions of talented people, but the training and the mentality that takes to work in a, in a startup is quite different, right? I mean, Nigeria has a growing ecosystem of fintech. Do you think Shaka has benefited from years of, of experience of previous companies or, or are you training people from scratch? This is a great question. And, and I think it uh, shows that you, know, you definitely know the intricacies of, of how these labor markets work. We have to do both. So we are always looking for talent that is exactly the fit for the opportunity, typically has worked at another startup, um, understands the energy requirements, understands the learning requirements, understands how dynamic one has to be, and then has the actual technical knowledge or context knowledge for what they need to do. That's the dream. But sometimes you find people who are over-indexed on some, some qualities that are really hard to find. They've got the passion. They're super smart. They're young enough that they haven't necessarily developed habits, maybe of working in slower companies. And this might be the first big job. And we've seen those people also thrive as well. So in those cases, you've got to train, right? But absolutely, you're right. Like we have benefited from, we do have employees from companies like Interswitch, from previously worked at Interswitch, previously worked at Hotels at Engie, previously worked at Opay. Um, so we have benefited from the previous group of companies um, and fast growth companies um, and talent that have worked from there. But in other cases, we have people who haven't come from those and are really excited to jump in and learn how to be productive in a startup. Um, so we, we really are always just assessing, is, is this person the right stuff? Do they have the energy? You know, sometimes people are built for different stages of companies. And so really identifying that is something um, um, we continue to hone and get better at. Yeah, I mean, kind of reminds me of Tinkoff Bank in Russia, right? One of the largest new banks in the world. And they don't like hiring from incumbents, right? Or, or same for uh, Helaz Direct in, in Greece, successful in SureTech. They don't like hiring from the competition. They, they like to train people from scratch or just bring them from a different industry. So that's, that's super interesting. And how about, you know, you, I, I know that you, you're, you're not at the stage that you have raised, you know, massive rounds, but you've already raised some money. You've interacted with venture capital funds. Talk about that fundraising journey, right? And, and RVCs really grasping what's going on in Nigeria and broad, the broader continent. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we've raised some funds, um, you know, even yet, yet to be announced since, uh, since we, we, we went through the license proceedings, well, that's going to be coming soon, but I could still speak a bit about it. So we've gone through some pre-seed and let's call it seed one um, with, with uh, and we're lucky to have really uh, great investors such as uh, 
Briar Capital, 4DX Ventures, Golden Palm Investments, uh, Seed Stars, Africa Futures, and really some great investors that are Africa-based and some that are U.S.-based. In for, for us, obviously, we're always looking for investors who are either operators or have been operators, could uh, understand the nuts and bolts of what we're trying to do, um, or who are subject matter experts in finance, understand the contextual knowledge, they have the specific knowledge, or investors who are really connected within VC and can help uh, for follow-on funding and bringing the right other investors to the table. More broadly in, in the ecosystem, I think it's been an exciting time for African VC or VC in Africa and fintech as well. I don't have the numbers here, but I'm sure if we just did a little searching, we'll see that the growth has been exponential and it's not just in Nigeria, it's across the continent in general. And so I think VCs and, and uh, the fundraising market to power financial innovation in Africa is very, very ripe. And if you look at other emerging markets, um, you see the same thing happening. And I think in Africa, the opportunities to leapfrog existing from existing financial infrastructures um, and solve things like lending, investment, financial access to trading opportunities, both real-world goods or financial goods. Um, all this is coming to a lot of people for the first time and you know, coming to people who need it the most in terms of being able to save or invest or take a leg up financially has such a big impact. Um, you know, largest youth population in the world, um, et cetera. So I think it's a bunch of trends coming together, whether it's demographically, a new generation who really need financial innovation to be able to have the best chance of maximizing the opportunities in the future, as well as parallel markets showing the potential in, in Africa and very much the absence of legacy systems, um, seeing the opportunity to bridge that gap. So I, I think it's very promising and the stats play out and we'll just continue to see um, over the years or over months and years that trend continue. So we're very bullish on that as well. I, I'm excited to continue following. What about the next few years, right? What's what's your grand vision? Uh, what could Shaka become, you know, if you and I can have a conversation in, in a few years, right? Let's say five years, what would be a really good outcome for you? Yeah, so for us, we have a very, very big mission and it's we really strongly believe that the digitization of financial markets will bring African capital markets closer to the rest of the world. So it will become easier and easier for Africans to access the world financially and the world um, world assets. And we also believe the opposite, that it will become easier and easier for the world to also access opportunities within Africa. For us, being a bridge that enables that in you know, through both enabling um, borderless access for people at home and also enabling access to investments on the continent for people um, outside, expanding that surface area, right? Like not just being in Nigeria, being in other countries, not just one asset class, other asset classes that people care about investing globally, and then providing more and more access to more and more markets. So, you know, in five years, um, I'd, I'd love us to be having this conversation and we're listing the countries we're operating in and it's, you know, and that being a long list um, and also listing the assets we offer and, you know, that asset list expanding and listing the number of customers um, who are accessing from different, accessing African investment opportunities um, and that, that list expanding too. So those are the vectors by which we measure our impact. 
and doing that by direct access for individuals or in partnerships with brokerages, other fintechs and asset managers, um, that those are going to be our vehicles as we go. So that's the big vision for us as uh, we roll out services in the roll out service in the coming uh, months and years. Now to get there, of course, uh, you're going to have to overcome a lot of challenges, I'm sure. And as a seasoned entrepreneur, right? Maybe talk about you know in your context, but also in the context for listeners who are also entrepreneurs, right? What do you think are going to be the the most important traits necessary to get there, right? Like, what, what are those lessons that, you know, you're, you're going to apply and you think other entrepreneurs should also apply in their journey? Yeah, so I'd say for us, it's three things. Um, focus and execution uh, is, is a big one. Um, there are so many verticals and opportunities in fintech or in what we do for us ensuring that we have the right product for the right audience or the right user and that we can replicate that across markets or replicate how we roll out products, um, that's super important. So even though we do plan to offer a range of products, how we roll out those products and how we build, we really focus on making sure that we're reapplying principles we've learned and not learning new things all the time. So I think that focus is going to be so key to um, rule out what's not in our offer and what is. Um, it's really possible to expand and look like everything, um, but we, we, you know, the, I think the product focus and the customer focus as we expand out um, is super important. Another thing is on the recruiting side, uh, we talked about it earlier, getting the right team, just as we grow as well, finding the right people, not just doing that, onboarding them efficiently so they have the right context to be effective very quickly. Um, and then supporting them to perform um, continually and, and, and assessing that. So just right, being extremely uh, process-oriented and making sure that that's something that you can repeatedly do as we grow the team. That's something that I'm really obsessed with, you know, changing someone's uh, potential impact from super productive by day 100 to super productive by day 30. It, that really compounds as you add more and more people just the amount of time that is saved or amount of impact that is extra impact that's generated. So I think that's a lesson is or a goal that every entrepreneur or everybody building a team probably consciously or subconsciously cares deeply about. And the last one, which is just unique to, to our situation, but also to more broadly to, I guess, any regulated fintech is a regulatory strategy and making sure that, you know, we're choosing to be above board and a regulated solution. That means that we're going to be doing a lot of government and uh, uh, regulator relations. Um, so really, as a brand and as, as in how we conduct our business, being uh, innovators, but also linked, being ready to trade hats and see things from the point of view of regulation, which is always a bit more conservative. So I think that balance, which is in our DNA from the start, is something we're going to we're going to continue to cultivate, making sure every employee, everybody understands the impact of regulation on our business, and then also making sure that we're very proactive in building regulatory relationships to understand what do regulators care about. Not only is a service, you know, legal or is kind of service be offered or not offered, but really what do regulators care about and being a partner to them and helping meet the development goals. Most regulators in African countries are a lot more proactive just because of where the countries are and where they need to be. And so they usually have more mission-oriented goals that aren't just about protection. They, they, they sometimes uh, are about like promoting certain 
certain financial inclusion uh, metrics or promoting certain investment metrics or promoting certain like retail investor participation metrics. And those are all things where I think we can have a really big impact as well. Exciting. And and how about uh, on your on your personal life? Like what as you grow, what are you gonna do or continue doing to keep yourself sane? You know, <laughs> maybe talk about your hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> I need I, I need to find an answer to that. No. Um, yeah, so you know, I guess personally, this is a big year for me. I'm getting married this year, so you know, as a, congrats. Yeah, my 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 partner, uh, she's extremely supportive, and you know, I think I think uh, just having that balance already uh, puts things in the right perspective to be able to switch on and off. And besides that, I guess just healthy living, whether it's the meditation, exercise, and 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 doing things to, to stay refreshed. But we're still early in this journey. We're so early that um, I think showing up to work for us, at least for me and for a lot of the team, for most of the team, is it's exciting in and of itself. And we're really building, doing something that's never been done before. So I, for, for us, no matter how hard it is, uh, it's, it's rejuvenating and refreshing and, you know, take care of the body, mind, and soul. And I think everything works out. Well, Dozen, like I said, congrats and going to be following very closely, I'm sure, we're going to see some exponential growth continue to occur for a long time. And best of luck. And thank you so much for, for joining us. Thanks, Miguel. Thanks for having me. And it's always great to be back at Penn, even virtually. Wishing you the best as well on your, on your own journey. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wharton Fintech Podcast. If you like the show, please consider leaving us a review or letting us know in the comments. It means a lot and helps spread the word to more listeners. If you want more content from our fintech community, please subscribe to our podcast channel and find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and the rest of social media at Wharton Fintech. You will find interviews, articles, videos, and much more analyzing all aspects of the industry. We also want to extend a special thank you to our show editor, Rafael Ostria. Signing off, I'm your host, Miguel Armasa. 